0: Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. We help sales leaders make how they lead their most defensible competitive advantage. It doesn't matter if you're a new manager, a first-time VP of sales, or a seasoned sales leadership executive. We're all facing new challenges, and if you want someone to talk shop with that sat in your chair, I've got you. If you want to become a legendary leader for the team you lead, hit me up, and hit me up soon. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen, and remember, don't worry We've got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high growth sales leaders share high growth practices and tactics. Today, we're joined by Spencer Dent, co-founder of Closed. Spencer has made a career out of helping sales teams win. His career includes meaningful stops with Bain and Qualtrics, where he saw firsthand the importance of being close to customers and speaking with their voice. At Bain, he had the opportunity to be introduced to sales teams in a large number of industries. And at Qualtrics, he had the opportunity to play a leadership role in building a global sales team that was extremely successful. His work led him to co-founding Closed so he could help more sales teams benefit from win-loss analysis done right and do what he's most passionate about, help teams win. Today, Closed is growing ridiculously fast and working with some of the most iconic sales teams in the world. They are successfully redefining how win-loss is done and helping sales leaders make how they sell more important than what they sell. Now, I've had a bunch of my clients recently start asking me about win-loss, and whenever they do, I always refer them to Spencer's team at Closed, and when they started asking more and more, I realized I've never explored this, this uh, topic on the podcast, so I knew who I needed to call, and I'm glad Spencer's joining us today. Spencer. Welcome to the show, and thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Excited to do this. Yeah, it's 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 been good. I've I've, I've enjoyed watching uh, your company really start to grow fast and do some fun things. And I I'm so grateful that you join us. This is going to be a fun conversation that we have never touched in two and a half years on the show, and I can't believe we've never done it yet, man. So let's uh, let's kick it off by having you introduce yourself and closed. Um, you know who's closed and what do you do for your customers
1: yeah for sure so um so like you said i'm spencer i'm one of the co founders of this company. What we do is we specialize in running win loss programs for companies, so they hire us as a third party. We use a combination of technology and services to help companies systematically understand why they win and lose deals we've been in business about f- almost four years we're coming up on our four year anniversary congratulations and, uh yeah it's it's a uh, it's been a great business we're we're we've grown you know, exponentially over the last few years we're we now have a really solid team continuing, you know, every little while having to move offices. So we get more space growing out, getting, building out the team. Our technology stack is really, really strong. And we feel like we're, we are in a, in what's an emerging category, right? This is a new thing that a lot of companies need, but they're not really sure how to do. And we're there as kind of the leader to help them figure it out.
0: Yeah, well, I can't wait to get into it because you work with some really cool companies. And so um, this is going to be a, a conversation unlike anyone that we've had. And, and it's true. It's been fun to watch you grow. I remember I remember when you guys were just kitting it going and, and uh, where you are now, it's so cool to see such a great run in four years. So first of all, props to you, Spencer, and the team that you've built. But but let's let's talk about what led you to starting that right. Your story is a really interesting one. What was it that made you say, "Hey, this win loss thing, this, there's a there's a not just a business here, there's a really good business here." What, yeah. Can you talk about that? What yeah. led you to founding the company?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there were it was a series of things. There wasn't like a light bulb that turned on and I said, "Oh, we should go do this." Or we the series of things were this. It kind of started way back when I was at Bain. I, I was working on a project. With a big global commercial construction company, we were helping them figure out how they could go to market better. So that was a combination of how do they sell? How do they manage their RFP process? How do they, you know, actually build relationships with key customers? And and these deals, you know, the company I was working for at that time, their their deals are hundreds of millions of dollars, right? And during one of these projects, they ended up losing this deal. It was a $500 million project. They'd spent three years chasing it. And they literally felt blindsided by it. Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, I'm a recent MBA guy. I've got, you know, I'm all buttoned up thinking I know everything. It was like shocking to me that this could happen. And I kind of, you know, bookmarked that, moved on. <laughs> my career. Okay. And, and, you know, fast forward a few years and I'm a Qualtrics. And in my role at Qualtrics, my job was basically to be the pit bull for our global head of sales, help him figure out. Where in the world should we grow? What type of metrics should we put in place? What type of, should we be running an enterprise or an inside sales model? All of those types of things. And the really shocking thing that happened there was we didn't understand why certain pockets of our business were performing better than others. For example, our EMEA team was not ramping as quickly as our APAC team. That didn't make any sense to me. You know, like the the need for it should be the same. And there were, there were different challenges like that simultaneously, you know, in a parallel path, the co-founder of closed Andrew Peterson, he was in a role where he's helping bring new products to market okay. and basically add to the portfolio. And some, and, and some of those products were getting traction much faster than others. And again, it's the same thing. Like, why isn't this product selling as well as the other products or why is it getting more traction with this team or this, um, geography, et cetera. It leaves you to the question, why are we winning and losing? And the great irony here is, you know, we were a feedback company. Ah, uh, right? Like Qualtrics is a feedback yeah. company and they're an incredible company. And and so we have a really high bar for what this stuff should be like what how how you run a, a feedback program. Yeah. And and we decided, hey, let's let's go actually go look at what's in the market and we were, you know, excited enough about the challenge and realized how applicable it is and simultaneously kind of let down by what we saw in the market that we said, let's go start a company that does this. So, you know, Andrew and I left, left Qualtrics. We said, let's go explore the space for a little while, figure out what the right solutions look like. We started out by f- providing services and then we've built technology. As we've seen repeated elements of win loss, we built technology to, to enable it. So I think of it as this is something that is changing every day. In the last four years, win-loss went from being, I've seen it go from companies trying to figure out, hey, let's go do one or two deals to figure it out, to I systematically need to understand this. And I want to try to cover as many deals as possible in my pipeline, whether that's through an interview or a survey or rep feedback. So excited to talk with you about that, but it's a fun space. We've had a lot of fun. We've worked with really cool companies and uh, learning a lot as we go ourselves
0: yeah I, man, just listening to you introduce it gives me even more things I want to talk to you about so let's let's get after it. I love that background i love I love you sharing your story, and it's cool to see that that you know that whole approach you took to kicking this off has led to having some pretty interesting success and you know when we get to the end i I can't wait to make it easy for our customers to learn more about you and, and connect with you so let's start with what is win loss analysis let's talk because you already said there's a difference in looking at like a deal. Or understanding why people are buying right uh, right can you get into can you can you def, like I had one of the godfathers of sales enablement on I started that conversation with what does sales enablement really mean I want to start with you the same way what what is win loss intelligence win loss analysis whatever yeah. you want to call yeah,
1: it yeah, yeah no t- great question great question I define it as how do you systematically understand your pipeline why you win why you lose right systematically not just it's not a one time thing it's on a repeated basis, how am I really making sure that I understand why I win and lose so that I can tune the rest of my business to uh, increase my win rate so we make more money? Hmm. Um, now, what's interesting is if if you asked other company or if you asked people doing it, this is like the analog I would give to it is, you know this concept of like voice of the customer and, and, and NPS and things like that. If you rewind 10 years ago, companies would be like, Oh, everybody had an understanding of, I really need to understand why, how my customers feel about me, but how do I do that? And all these methodologies came out around like voice of the customer, NPS CX. And now there's companies like Qualtrics that are multi-billion dollar, companies because they've actually helped companies systematically figure out how to measure those things. The same Mm. thing is happening in win loss. What happens, you know, at the, on the, there's a big maturity curve here. And at the bottom end, it's, oh crap, we lost that deal. Let's go figure out why we lost that deal. And at the top end, it's, I have a system in place where every time an opportunity is closed out my pipeline, I trigger feedback. And that feedback can be from the rep or the buyer. That feedback can be through a survey or an interview, and that feedback all flows back into a single place that has the pu- closed pipeline data so that you can have a single source of truth
0: as to why you're winning and losing. Mm. What I like about what you said is that it's systemic rather than like ad hoc, right? I mean, I, right. I want to sit on that for a minute because you brought that word up a couple times, and uh, I like the parallel you drew from like a Qualtrics, which has been, a re- I mean, you can't call it anything but an amazing success. I mean, the yeah. things that have happened in the last just two years right there. Right. And, right. And, and I like how you said that. They built a system around that concept of, of having feedback at every point of interaction or whatever, right? right. And, and so what you're saying is, I don't want to just do this as one-offs. I want to have a system of understanding what is it that's making the opportunities we have advance and close, or stall or lose. Right. So the system, that's an interesting word. Why do you choose that word? Because I I love that concept.
1: Yeah. I mean, it denotes that it's deliberate, right? What here's the dangers on the companies get into. Okay. And I'm sure most of your, most of your listeners that are sales leaders have been in this and you, you have to be careful for this. Here's, this is the danger zone. Okay. We lost a deal. We, a spotlight gets shined on this deal. The CEO wants to know what happened. Everybody gets in a room and you start talking about it and you're sitting around a table and everybody's talking about why we lost this deal. And oftentimes that conversation happens without any feedback or anybody actually getting the customer to explain what happened. Mm. Right. Oftentimes that's just a complete echo chamber of people speculating and worst case scenario, you have a bunch of internal people sitting in the SECO chamber that then go say, Hey, we need to go build these four features into our product, or we need to change our pricing like this, or we need to change our sales process like this off of a sample size of one where their, where their outcomes and their in what they what they believe are the things that they need to change are fundamentally flawed. Cause when you get the cut, when you actually go to that individual customer, the customer tells you the actual truth about why they didn't choose you. And then you. You can base it off of that. But again, that's still a sample of one. So a good way to think about this and the, da- the, the dangerous way to think about it is if you're only going, a lot of sales leaders and a- there's, there's this fire drill that happens. If you have fire drills, you're not systematic, mm. right? What you should be doing is you should be saying, hey, every quarter, every month, we are going to, ch- maybe we don't do every single deal in our pipeline, but let's at least cherry pick a handful of deals that are, we want to learn about, we're losing, we feel like we're losing more than we should against a specific competitor. Let's go actually understand what happened with those. And you want the, you want to get the buyer to give you the feedback as to why they are or aren't choosing you. Some companies choose to do that internally. Right. And you know, I'm not selling you away from using a third party like us. I'm telling you, you can do it internally. The challenge most companies run into is they don't know how to do it internally. And the bigger issue is if you use a third party, they'll be more candid with a third party.
0: Let's talk about that because my background, I haven't talked about this with our listeners. I, I, I did work with a, a, a um, win-loss type company years ago, back in the early 2000s. Uh, not Interestingly, not one that I recommend to people like you are. And um, so I, I, I think that's really interesting because I have heard that and I work with a lot of companies and I think a lot of people ask sales reps to do like loss reviews very infrequently. Do they ask them to do win reviews? They just say, thanks. And well, here's one of the things I've observed as i worked a little bit. I dabbled. I certainly wasn't in it as long as you are. And I wasn't expert like you are, but I've dabbled in it. And I work with sales leaders in 20 countries right now around the world. Um, Here's one of the things I've observed. I want to get your take on this. Tell me if I'm wrong. And if I am, I can't wait to hear about it because it's kind of what I've observed. When a rep wins, they always look in the mirror and they say, aren't you lucky that you got me? And, and, and when a rep loses, they instantly look out the window and they say, it was something beyond my control. And, and so I want to talk about that first. And then I want to get to your thing about uh, the, the customers having maybe more candor because this idea of, of done internally or done by the rep versus done by a third party, that's a really big question on how do you do that? My, so my first thing, i just I'm rambling your thoughts about the mirror in the window, agree or disagree. Totally agree. Totally agree. And, and, and it's, it's human nature. It's human
1: nature of, I want to take credit for the work I did and when it went well, I want to, I do want to spike the football. And by the way, as a sales leader, you should encourage reps to spike the football. Nice job, dude. Way Way to hit, way to get the number at the same time, you know, you gotta be a truth seeker to really understand what happened because the other side of that, you know, the mirror versus the window is totally true. When a deal gets lost, reps, it was price, it was product, right? And we see this from our clients. Our clients will give us a list of of of, of deals with the loss reasons that are included. And never, literally never do sales reps say, I botched the demo. <laughs> right? <laughs> never does the rep say, I was late. I was late to the I actually scheduled a meeting and then actually totally spaced it and didn't show up. Never does the rep say, I actually just forgot to put the next follow-up meeting on my calendar and it went three weeks. And by the time I re- remembered and re-engaged, they'd already gone with another vendor. So those things don't happen. So I agree with you 100%. There's absolutely a mirror and a window. The, uh, but the other thing I will tell you is this. Customers don't always tell buy, reps the truth. Buyers don't tell the truth all the time. Right. Part of that is the poker game of we're in a deal and I don't want to tell you everything because I feel like I'm in a negotiation in some ways. So I want to keep some of my cards hidden. But the other thing that happens, and this is important, is they may not want to tell you the truth because it's kind of hard to tell you the truth as the rep. And this goes to the point of of why a third party is valuable. It's hard for me to be like, hey, Rob, like. I think you're a really cool guy. I really appreciated all of our interactions. Like the time you flew out here and took me to dinner, that was awesome. But my boss, like he just kind of thought that you didn't really listen to him and that you were a jerk, (laughs) right? Like, like it's hard for me to tell you that, especially if I like you, right? So so you you can see a scenario where, where the, where the buyer's holding something back and that feedback was useful to the rep. And so getting that through, you know, a third party type ombudsman that can act as a neutral party and get the feedback is huge. The, and, the, and the last thing I'll say about this, and this is huge, this is really important. Sales always thinks about sales. Sales is thinking about how did I message it? How did I, yeah. my, how, my process, all that stuff. Buyers think about pricing. They think about messaging. They think about customer referrals. They think about the product and whether or not the product actually meets their demands. And one of the things, you know, this goes to the the mirror and window thing. When I lose, if I go to the product team and I tell the product team we lost because your product sucks, (laughs) as the sales rep, how how does that conversation go over?
0: Like, that does not land well. Yeah, like
1: like that that doesn't go over. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) it it doesn't go over well, right? What ends up (laughs) happening is is Now you have all sorts of internal conflict of the product team blaming the sales team, the sales team, blaming the product team, marketing team sitting in the middle trying to figure it out Hmm. what you want. The beauty of getting the buyer's feedback is it's hard to argue with that. You know, like I've sat in these meetings, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about. You sit around in a meeting around, you know, the big executive board and everybody's talking about why we won or lost Uh, One of the funniest things is when we talk to venture capital funds that they're, they see this left, right, and center, right? I'm in a board meeting. Nobody can give me a good answer for why we win and lose. It's all anecdotal. You're right. Being able able to sit there and actually have the conversation based off of what the buyers are saying
0: is the key. So I love that. I I, want to let that hang for a second. This is a good time. We got, you got a lot of people. We got several thousand people that are listening to you right now. Uh, Spencer. And so this is a really good one. You know, I, I, that last statement, right. On what the buyers are saying, not on what the reps are saying, not on what the metrics are saying, you know, the the metrics and what the buyer, I mean, the sellers and all those things, you know, they can tell whatever story they want it to tell. But when you have this coming straight from the customers Uh, that's something that not only would be crazy not to listen to, I still scratch my heads that more organizations don't make that a system on how they get that rather than ad hoc. Cause I want to go back and tell you, I'll I'll share a funny story that will make my listeners laugh and probably make you laugh. Uh, I connect so much with what you said, Spencer, that, Customers won't be honest with you. It's funny, us as sales leaders and salespeople, we get this bad rap that that as salespeople we're, we're all liars. But you're right. C- customers they don't they don't tip their hand. They they tell you what they need to tell you. Only one time in an, oh, like 25 year career of like being a salesperson or sales leader have I had one that like was like brutally honest with me. One time, and it was like five years ago, and my head of sales brought me in to help on a deal. And I got a call like three days after I helped on the deal. And, and I'm a pretty good deal guy. And I'm pretty confident in my skills. Right. And he's like, Hey Rob, I like you a lot. When I heard you talking, Spencer, I was like, you just put me back in a post-traumatic. <laughs> just, you know, and he's like, I like you a lot. He goes, and I like your company even more. He's like, but you need to let Dan, my head of sales goes, you need to let Dan run this deal and you need to stay out of it. And I'm like, I'm like, I was at another customer location. I was like walking. I stopped. I said, excuse me. And he's like, Yeah, you need to stay out of it because Dan's gonna connect with our leader better than you are. Because uh it came across to him that you're basically saying you know more about something than he does, and he didn't like it. I'm like, wow. I'm really glad you told me now this dude, they they ended up buying. So I backed out completely. They ended up buying from us. And he and I ended up becoming really good friends. And whenever I talk to him, I I always say, you know, this is the guy that told me how bad I suck. He's like, no, I didn't tell you how bad you suck. I told you how bad of a fit you are for this buyer. And, and it was because I still to this day say I sucked at that one. And he goes, no, you were the wrong fit. And you know, sometimes it's hard. So yeah, I, I laugh. I, I, think I, I, I love it, man. I love
1: <laughs> it. It, it, it. Like that's a perfect example, right? Is sometimes the, you know, there's chemistry that exists too, right? Sometimes just the way a one rep approaches the buyer works better than another rep might. Getting that fee. So, so here's an interesting thing about win-loss. So that's a very specific deal, right? Like you gave yeah. an example of a very specific deal. When you do win-loss well, you actually can coach into very specific instances like that. Like, Hey, in this one, as a sales leader, I can coach you and I can say, Hey, it sounds like, you know, based off of this feedback, we need to think a little bit harder about how we do discovery, how we actually understand the pain that they're dealing with and really craft a message and a value prop based off of that. And you can coach to the specific thing, but then you can also pile those dominoes all on top of each other. And you can say. Well, this isn't just a one-off rep thing. This is fifty reps. Yeah, we need to bring in some firepower to help train our sales team how to do this correctly. So,
0: so yeah. why don't more companies invest? Do you think why don't more companies prioritize creating systems around here? Yeah. I, think, I think we're in a systems world. I like that world you used. I mean, I don't know. Have you heard the quote by the found by the uh, architect, not the architect, the uh, the comic of Dilbert. Uh, Steven Adams, he has a quote that says, losers have goals and winners have systems, right? (laughs) (laughs) And um, and so we're in this systems world. And very rarely do I see people that have established win-loss systems. If they do, it's something like, I'm going to run CRM reports and I'm going to ask someone to give me a write-up on this deal or this deal. And it's done by sales ops maybe. But it's different. Why do you see? Because you said it's emerging. I agree, it's yeah, emerging. Yeah. I, 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 I love the question,
1: and this here, okay, yeah. here's why it's emerging. Okay. In order to be able to understand why you win and lose, you have to actually have a record of what deals you chased. Ooh, say that one more time. <laughs> In order to understand why you win and lose, you actually have to track your pipeline and your opportunities, and you have to understand what deals you chased what's happened in the last 10 years is companies are getting much more disciplined about opportunity management tracking opportunities tracking pipeline and and because of that it's now ripening a little bit to where oh crap like i can i actually can go reach out to people that we've lost and and i know which deals we've won and lost because i've been tracking it the interesting thing here is that level of discipline and maturity in terms of pipeline tracking and pipeline discipline varies a lot by industry. Mm. So we have companies that come to us from, I will call them a little bit more mature kind of lagging industries. And they're like, Hey, I want to do win loss. And we say, great. Do you track your, your opportunities in pipeline? Kind of. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's, that's, you can't get a list of the deals. And the people that you tried to sell to, like, you can't really do great win-loss in terms of getting the buyer's feedback. You can do other things, but you can't even analyze your win rate, right? A lot of companies don't even know their win rate. They oh. don't even know why they win. And, they can't even get to the answer of why they win and lose. They don't know what they win and lose.
0: Spencer, I'm going to interrupt you. I don't want to derail you, but I want to, for our listeners, I work with so many of them now. I got a lot of customers, a lot of sales leaders. And, and win rates, one of my, my kind of starting points. So, where, where is it? Because I'm trying to find benchmarks because we're trying to make things most of the time. They can only say, I can give you a ballpark, but I can't tell you really what it is. And right. Even in pretty, even in companies that you might think otherwise, but I would agree with you. Opportunity management is what I'm seeing as the hottest part of sales leadership right now. Yeah. For sure. Yep. Are,
1: are, do you even know the deals that are going through pipeline? Are you even managing those? And then at, when they come out the other end, what do you do about it? Like to, to actually track it down, but yeah, totally, totally. It's so that's one reason why this is a, when I say it's emerging, what's happening is companies now are being able to actually track it through and say, well, we're, we're losing a lot more than we're winning. Let me figure out why and what's happening. And so that's the first step, right? Is if you can actually say, for example, I had a thousand deals go through pipeline this quarter and of those thousand deals, we won 200 we lost 800. That means we have a 20% win rate of those 200 and 800. If I start to filter on them, right. I'm doing like a classic nerd, Excel, you know, Tableau BI. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. How, how does, so if my win rate's 20%, if I actually throw some filters on this, does my win rate vary across regions, across product lines, across sales team? And what I'm trying to do is I'm looking, it's a classic, it's like a little bit of a money ball, activity yeah. where, you're, where you're basically saying what's my batting average is it, how's my batting average against right-handed pitchers versus left-handed pitchers how, how what's it like in this ballpark versus this ballpark what's it like when i'm at this uh, uh, you know batting third in the order versus eighth in the order when there's guys it, in scoring
0: possession or bases empty yeah all yeah, that stuff. totally so, yeah. and you
1: want to you want to peel that apart and go full nerd money ball on it so that you can actually that helps you identify the pockets where you're like man my strike zone is deals that are between forty and $60,000 where, you know, they're in pipeline for five months and, you know, it's being sold by a rep who's been with us at least six months. I win those 50%
0: of the time. Wow. That's awesome. I love that. How often do you see companies with that level of discipline? It's
1: not very common. It's getting more common because it, what they're getting their pipelines in order, but but if if i mean the first thing i would tell any company that's coming to uh, that's coming to me and saying hey we want to do win loss you got to have your ducks in a row in terms of tracking opportunities yep just tracking the opportunities first and then we can go next level with you about win rates we can go next level with you about um you know tr- how do you go after the deals to get the feedback cuz that's another thing that's interesting rob we haven't really covered this yet but Let's say my, my company's doing million dollar deals. Yeah. The touch point there for how you engage those is most likely an interview. But what if my company's doing like $2,000 deals, like really small deal sizes? It doesn't make that much sense to go spend time and effort and resources to do an interview on a really small transaction because A, the interviews cost a lot Yeah. Um, relative to the transaction amount and B, um, the deals are simple right? Like if you, if you can buy something on a credit card pretty quickly, you probably don't need to spend 30 minutes, like talking about why you did that. So, so that's why you might want to think about a different mechanism, like a survey.
0: Mm-hmm. So that was one of the questions that I wanted to get to. And since you went there, let's, let's just go there. Cause we can stay where you are instead of bouncing around. Is there like, <clears throat> is there types of sales processes or sales cycles that it makes that you need to do this and and not others, or is it, I don't care who you're selling to. You need to understand why they buy. It's just the mechanism of of engaging them. That's different. I mean, any thoughts on that? It's the latter. You nailed it. Yeah. It's what you need is you need a set of tools. The, the,
1: when we came into this space, we saw that the um, historical approach for doing this was interviews Win-loss interviewing. Yes. Right? Like, yes. hey, uh, we're going to go interview the buyers. And so we said, hey, let's go replicate that because that's what people are used to. And we'll, that'll allow us to get some traction in the market and figure out what the right answer is. The right answer is it depends on the composition of the pipeline. So I'll give you an example. We have a client. Their average deal sizes are like 5 to $10 million. Big wow. deals. Right? Yeah. They're only doing a handful of them a year. They have us interview... Right. So I'm talking about the interview versus when do you want to interview versus survey? They have us interview every single opportunity that goes through pipeline and sometimes multiple people per opportunity. Wow. Right. Like these deals are big enough. It's a $5 million deal. Right. So if for me to go interview multiple people, it costs more, but if they win one more deal and they make their year, right. (laughs) Or they, or they even potentially double their year. The other side of that is we have a client who's very, very transactional, right? Okay. Very, very transactional. And what we do with them is we say, hey, listen, let's develop a really awesome, clean win-loss survey for you that we will trigger on every single deal that goes through your pipeline. Then that way you can cover more of your pipeline, right? So you're, you're kind of skimming the top here.
0: And on a transactional deal, understanding the high level things because it's a quicker decision probably are more important than a five to 10 million where you have to really worry about decision dynamics differently because there's 12 people involved in the purchase decision.
1: Yeah, 100%, 100%. And then – but you, the important thing here is you can still use an interview or a deep dive on the transactional deals, but you'd be, you'd be very smart how you point the cannon. For, so, for example – hey, we're trying to break into the healthcare market. We can't sell the healthcare for some reason. And yeah, they're transactional deals. Let's actually go to the last 25 trans deals that we've tried to win and talk to those buyers and see you know, if we won three and we lost 10, let's, interview, let's try to interview all of them and figure out why they chose us or didn't choose us. And that's where you're going to find out things like, oh, you guys don't have the HIPAA compliance we need. Or you're mm-hmm. missing certain features to plug into our other systems so your integrations aren't well. Or your pricing doesn't really line up to how our business model is set up. That, that's how you under, uh, uncover it. So think of it as when you're going to do the – if it is transactional, you can still use a deep dive mechanism. But you just want to be pointed so that you can – when you get aggregated feedback, when, when you aggregate the feedback, you can have takeaways of
0: what we need to go do. All right, you, 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 we're, I'm looking at the time. We're okay on time, but we're going to run out of time because I'm so interested in what you're finding right now. Yeah. Um, I want to go back a little bit to one of the things when we first started, when I said, what is win-loss analysis? And you talked about the need for a system. Are there any primary, most important findings? You say Anybody that's going to go down this journey of creating uh, win-loss systems, and I'm going to make that part of who we are, we're going to understand why people buy. We're going to understand what our customers are thinking about. I'm going to understand, you know, from the mouth of our customers instead of just what we hope we're interpreting the right way. Is there any like really important, listen, if you're going to do win-loss, these are things you need to get from it. These are important findings, like almost like pillars or, or, or kind of things that effective win-loss sits on.
1: Yeah. Good question. You know, ultimately the reason you're doing it is so you can win more.
0: Yeah. Right. Like
1: the, the beauty of it is it's actually one, one of our clients said, this is the most important close is the most important vendor we have at the executive level, because it literally helps us figure out why they win and why we wouldn't lose. So we can go move the whole organization against those things. So, I mean, what do you want to get out of it? You want to win more deals. And that's why this is, that's why sales leaders oftentimes are the most important people that we work with. Because w- the companies will come to us and it's not a sales leader. It could be a product leader, a marketing leader, a CEO. We love it when a sales leader comes because the reality is, is the sales leader is responsible for the revenue number. And when the sales leader comes to us, we know it's somebody that is passionate about moving the win rate up, winning more deals. So the thing, so we line up from a – this isn't going to be a nice um, –
0: academic exercise. It's going I'm glad you said that. Exercise. When I was living in that world a little bit, that's, that's I, you're taking me back in time, Spencer. I, I found that a lot of the times the people who were commissioning deals were in the marketing side and it was kind of into the marketing research kind of budget, right? And and it was looked at as a research deal rather than a sales leader that comes and says, no, this is me understanding what my go-to-market's going to look like. Because research and go-to-market are two different things. Is that, I mean, fair to say? Totally, totally, totally and and
1: I, I mean I've seen this, right? We we've seen this. We want one of the first things we do with our clients when we're kicking them off is who are your stakeholders? And if it's and if and if our if our buyer, for example, let's say it's somebody from a research division or a marketing division, one of the first things we'll say is who on your sales team <laughs> who in your sales team are you wor- is is involved in this and how do we engage them more effectively because what you want is you want the win loss feedback as a win you here's the worst here's the worst case scenario you go and you commission a company like Close to work on this for you and we go interview a bunch of your buyers and you as the sales leader never actually see it you actually never see it like yeah. that's a joke that's a joke right like yeah. what you want is you want as the feedback comes through if you value the feedback as an organization if you have a culture that can stomach the truth you want the feedback to go to the relevant buyers or relevant parties in your team which is always going to be sales one of the one of the most used elements of our platform so as we go conduct interviews and develop these win loss reports and for our clients one of the most powerful elements and it's fairly simple of our platform is we push the feedback out to the organization. So as a sales leader every time closed conducts an interview and 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 publishes it, every sales leader in the organization that you want it. to have access to it can have it. That is beautiful because it does two things. One, it says, "Hey everybody, it needs to hear this. We need to learn from it." And it Breaks down the silo of there's a marketing team that's doing a bunch of this research. They're going to create a big report. They're going to put it in a PowerPoint deck. You're going to have a QBR. You're going to spend 15 minutes of the QBR talking about it, and then you're not going to think about it until the next QBR. Yeah, leaders should be thinking. Leaders should be thinking about this every day. This should be part of how you, your workflow. It should be h- how you think. Hey, how do we win more? How do we win more? How do we win more? If you're not thinking about that, you don't have a winning culture.
0: Mm, so good, Spencer. So I got another question now. So you said that um, a lot of times customers don't necessarily tell us the truth. And I agree with that. I mean, if you if you don't, if you're if if you if you're not sure that you believe that sales leaders that are listening to us, just remember that last year, only 46% of the deals that were in commit actually closed. So not even 50-50, right? So that means that we don't necessarily have a good read on what's going on. I go back to that term that I used. I, I, that means we probably don't understand decision dynamics as well as we might. Uh, I I think that might be the most important thing to kind of glean is how do people actually make decisions right now? What are the key experiences that they have to have in order to, to, to lean our way? So here's my question. So if, if, if customers are going to not always tell the truth to a rep, and if a rep will not always have the right view on what's going on, how do you, if you, if a person hires a third party, like closed to come in and do it, uh, how do you know that they're telling you the term that I wrote down that you said was the absolute, the actual truth, not the absolute? I looked at my, I had to look at yeah. my. You said the actual truth. Yeah. How do you know you're getting the actual truth? Can, yeah. can we talk about that for a minute?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the story I would tell you is think about when you're in, you know, seventh grade and your girlfriend breaks up with you. Yeah. And she breaks up with you, but you send your buddy to go talk to her. Yeah. And then she tells your buddy that like, hey, you were kind of a jerk. Right, but what she actually tells her friends is the real truth. (laughs) She goes and talks to her friends, and so what you really want is you want your buddy to go talk to her friend, and that's how you get the actual answer. I like that. Uh, The the what you need is you need a neutral third party for people to share. And and I'll give you I'll give you an example. This was actually we had a client we were working with their with their North America division. And doing lots of interviews and they wanted the COO of this business, wanted us to expand out and start working with their European division. And the European leader was like, I don't need to do, I do this. I don't need closed to come and, and, and right. do, these, do these debriefs. I do them. I have good relationships with our buyers, everything else. And he said basically, he was like, this is going to be kind of a waste of money, but okay. this is what he said in his head. So what he did, so here's the interesting thing. He went and he did his own debrief with the buyer. And then subsequently sent us to go. You went in and you compared notes. (laughs) And, and he then compared the notes. And what he said was (sighs) this guy became, went from being, you know, in sales term terminology, he went from being, you know, our biggest detractor to our biggest champion. Wow. And, and, and we're in his, we're in their SKO and he stands up and says, listen, I wasn't really a believer in this. And then I saw how transparent the buyers were with closed and it was shocking to me. And I, we need this now part, part of the way to you, to make them transparent though, too, Rob is your methodology. If, if you, if you're going to go interview buyers, you actually need to interview them. You do not survey them over the phone. Ah. This is important, right? This wow. Is important. Let's sit
0: on this for a minute. That's actually not just that's not just semantics that you're talking right, about right, right like, now. Like yeah. it's a
1: it's, it's a real it's a real thing. So our team of consultants, we have really smart people, like graduate level degree folks that go and talk to buyers, right? These are B two B buyers. They're sophisticated people. They think about things in a next level way. When you go to interview them, you don't show up with a questionnaire that you read word for word in the same order every time. And you're asking them, to, you're kind of checking boxes that that's the type of job you could have a 15 year old kid do. The ant, the problem with it is, is you don't get the actual answer yeah. of why you want to lose our, our consult. We train our consultants to say, look, don't get off the phone with this person until you have a really clear understanding of why they made the the decision they made. And I think that is an important thing, right? Going back to your, how do you get the actual truth? You actually Have to have a smart person that's capable that can understand your business, employ an approach that allows them to flex in the conversation to dig in on the things that matter the most to the buyer so they can peel the onion two, three, four times that aren't afraid to go off script. Love it. it, Because so, so, and I'm talking about this now as a practice on uh, from the other stuff, not from a practitioner, but from a consumer of these services back in my prior life when we hired a vendor a third party vendor to do this for us we ended up getting back a stack of pdfs they sat on the sales ops leader's desktop for 6 months yeah by the time the other relevant parties in the, on the team got their hands on it what they found was a bunch of phone questionnaires that could have been you know you could have had your 15 year old kid do the phone calls right read the question and and what was happening uh, uh, you know it's if the, if it goes like this hey what what did you think of the sales process? And the buyer says, well, it wasn't great. <laughs> okay. What did you think of the product? No, w- Wait a minute. Double, triple click into yeah. that. And yeah. so you need, you need to have w- to get to the actual truth, you need to have the right methodology, the right third party partner and, and the right person conducting those interviews now that's if you're doing the interviews if you're doing surveys you also need to set up your questionnaires and your approach in a way that gives you the right answers a big mistake a lot of sales leaders make if they're not going to go the talking route they're going to do more of the fill a form out fill a survey out route they structure those questions in a way where they're not actually going to get the right answer so there's a whole, we could spend an entire, So there's a whole
0: method to the madness of making sure your protocol set up the right way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And the way you ask the questions, like at the end of the day, so many people, so many sales leaders fail right out of the gates on this. Cause they, they assign a sales uh, force admin to go create a list of dropdowns that are their loss reasons. Um, okay. So go read the loss reasons and say, are these things mutually exclusive? Like for example, we lost to a competitor. We lost on price. We lost on product. We lost on um, you, name, whatever. You could lose because of all of those things.
0: How often I mean. is it really price, by the way? It's a like great really, question. really price. price. Price is such an easy scapegoat. That's why I asked the question. It's such because an what, easy, it's, scapegoat. it's so easy. So that's why I asked, again, I found that very it's rarely, very, rarely. Yeah, rarely is like what rarely I
1: found. Very rarely is it the number itself, right? It's, it's not like, oh, they were 5% more expensive it's like they were 5% more expensive and the other vendor was giving me the exact same stuff and adding more value on top of it. Hmm. So it's, it's, it's a, a good way to think of it as a price to value. How much value are you communicating to the buyer in the process? The, but the other part of, of pricing that we see come up a lot is it's oftentimes how it's communicated, how the rep communicates it, you know, you're dead on arrival as a sales rep. If you come in and you say, oh, it's going to be $50,000. Well, your other vendors offered 25. Okay. Let me see if I can get approval to give you 25. Oh yeah. I have approval to do 25. Like dude, trust is gone. Like wow. you, you've lost the deal. The other, and, and a third part about it is transparency. Like how do you, not just how you communicate it, but how is the pricing model set up? Are you making this up along the way? Or do you have a method to the madness for how you price? So there's a lot of things that we put underneath price. Very rarely is it a simple, your price was higher
0: than the other vendor, therefore we chose to go with you. Love it. I have three things that we'll just do surface level, just kind of top of mind, and then we'll do our rapid fire at the end. But you've, you've, you've had me expand the things I thought we would talk about because this conversation, Spencer, been so great. I, I I always love it when we talk, but this has been even more fun than I expected. So first of all, thanks, man.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. We'll, we'll you, have to do it. We'll do a follow-up one in the future.
0: Yes, absolutely. I'll be, I'll be down for that. Listen. So you mentioned that a go no-go for you when you get started is, Hey, where's the sales leaders and, and how do we get this in their hands? And um, we want to make sure that we distribute this to sales leaders, et cetera, et cetera. You talked about that and that was meaningful. I took some good notes on that. Um, any, you're talking to a lot of great sales leaders right now. You got, you got a whole bunch of them listening to you. Any advice to you, to sales leaders on like, here's how you use win loss intelligence to make a difference. Okay. Yeah. Any kind of top of mind things that if you're not doing this now, these are things you should start doing as fast as you can.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Th- this first one's going to sound like, a Th- this first one is, it's going to sound like a lecture, but it's just the way it is. So I'm just going to say you have to check your ego at the door, at the door. Mm. And you have to get your, your sales team to check their egos at the door a little bit, right? Like sales reps by nature need to be aggressive. They need to have confidence, all those things, but they, the best sales reps and sales leaders are willing and anxious to learn and anxious to get at the truth. There's no reason. Don't even start doing win loss. If you're not willing to hear the feedback. And I think that's one of the first things I would tell, you know, if you want to do this, start there. We want to learn. And we're, and we're open to hearing whatever it is the buyer say, that's the first one. The second one, you know, you got to make sure that as you approach this problem, think about it from a crawl, walk, walk, run scenario. If you're just getting started, you know, there's things you can do to kind of get a, get a motion going. And we have a lot of resources. If somebody wants to download them, you can just go to our website, close.com. We have a, a really cool guide to win loss that depending upon where you're at, you might be able to find some nuggets on, on how you can do this. That can be helpful. Um, we have know that a lot of a lot of companies are doing this for the first time we just partnered with a company called pragmatic marketing and did a state of win-loss study and it was shocking to see a how many companies aren't doing it systematically Mm. and b how how many intend to start doing it in the next 6 to 12 months it's this is a rapidly growing discipline so um you know if i'm a sales leader and i'm trying to figure out where to start and what to do yeah I, i would say check your ego at the door and and do a little bit of research of, of these comp- of the approaches you can take to win loss. And honestly, we're happy to be a, a, a resource. We learn as much as anybody just talking to buyers, even if we don't end up selling to them, because we're, as this space evolves, we want to make sure we have the right tools kit to sell to people. So we're always happy to act as a sounding board as well. So that
0: blended the first two, uh, you know, so I like that you did that last one. I'm going to ask you, and then we'll get into the rep fire. And we're, we're this time has come fast, man. Yeah. Um, anything you'd say, listen, as you get ready to go on this journey. And and first of all, I hope that this interv- that this this show today has more sales leaders saying, dang it, I got to get wind loss going. I, you know, I got to stop just doing win loss reviews filled out by the rep. Uh, I, I need to start doing this and, and getting, better understanding of of how people are making decisions right now and and changing my go-to-market. I I hope people are saying that you've given a few good best practices, ways to get started. Anything that you would say, whatever you do, don't do this. Okay. Like (laughs) kind of a common, uh, maybe one, two, three, I don't know, uh, pitfalls that you often say people say that was unnecessary. We'll pull you out of that quicksand. We can help you. But is is there any kind of quicksand traps (laughs) that you see happening over and over?
1: 100% 100%. The biggest one I would say is don't underestimate the effort it takes. Ooh. There's a there's a lot. Here's what we see. We see this all the time. Starting and stopping. We knew we needed to do win loss. We start, we we got somebody from product marketing to help out with it and we did the first like five interviews and then that person has a full-time job and they didn't have all their time to actually continue doing this in an ongoing fashion so we stopped. And then six months later, we kind of kicked it back up and got some activity around it. And then we stopped Then we kicked it back up because people, what people don't understand about win loss is when you say systematically, the way you get scale and efficiency is you need to use technology. That's one reason why you use a company like closed because we have technology that enables this process. That makes it so you can be efficient. That makes it so you can get the interviews scheduled, trans conducted, transcribed put into a deliverable shared out broadly. There's elements of this that where companies trip all over themselves is they start and stop and start and stop and start and stop. And they end up wasting a bunch of time trying to do it internally or doing it internally and not investing enough resources so that they don't actually get the value out of it. So that's probably the, if, if you ask me like, what's the bear, the number one trap, it's don't underestimate, like really think through what you want to get and, and what it will take to get there. Otherwise,
0: you'll end up wasting time. Okay, let's leave it at that. This was awesome. Spencer, we're, we finish every, every uh, conversation the same way. Rapid fire, three questions. Uh, top of mind, what, what do you got coming? So you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, number one, biggest sales leadership challenge that you see as you work with sales leaders today and, and any suggestions on how you beat it? Yeah,
1: the biggest, the biggest challenge I would say that I see sales leaders run into, I, and it, frankly, this is very like based off the lens I come from, that's okay is, is the ability to cut through the noise and see what really matters and get everybody focused around what really matters. There's so much noise that a sales leader has to deal with. They have sales reps who you know we've talked about this. The sales reps are telling you sometimes from the be- best of their knowledge, but sometimes you know maybe framing things in a way that puts them in a good light. They have customers that are saying things that way. They have other other team members. Product team, marketing team, that a sales, a sales leader's real job is to harness all of these people and get everybody marching after the revenue. And so I think the biggest challenge they have is how do you cut through all the noise, get to the truth, get everybody focused behind like the facts and the biggest levers that are going to move
0: the business and then march that way. I love it. That's a great answer. Number two, you're, you're going through some of this yourself right now, as you're building a team, as you're adding people to your team, is there kind of any interview question or topic that you really have found as your go-to that is one of the most important as you're building a team and yeah. what is it you look for when you, when you leverage that topic?
1: Yeah. It's a great question. Um, Cause we hire people across all disciplines, right? We hire yep. software developers, we hire, uh, consultants that manage these programs. We hire sales reps. And I think the most important skill that I look for uh, regardless of the role is motor. Ooh, What do you mean by that? Like, does this person have grit? Does this person work hard? Does this person, does this person have a fight within them? I like it doesn't it. mean, it doesn't mean they're unpleasant to be around, right. but it means, you know, this person knows how to work. And 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 when I what where that comes out in sales is this person will prospect, they will prospect, they will make the calls, they will make, they will send the emails, they will they will get knocked down, they will get back up. Where it comes through in software development is this person, if something's not working, will stay up till four o'clock in the morning getting it to work. In, in consulting, if a client's not happy, this person will do whatever they need to do to get the program on pace. And yeah, I, I motor to me is it can't, it's hard, hard to teach it. And it, and honestly, it's kind of hard to test for too. Sometimes the ways I, the ways I get to it is I ask people about things like, what was your hardest job you've ever had? Cool. And, and, and where you, where you see it is like, Oh dude, I worked when I was in, when I was in high school, I worked as a janitor, you know, and, <laughs> and I'd wake up at four thirty in the morning on Saturdays and you're like, okay, this guy knows how to work.
0: Right? <laughs> like I love it. That's a great one. Motor is a really great one. And I can see why you want a team filled with people that have a motor that rev in whatever discipline they're in. That's fantastic. Thank you. Last one, man. We found that readers, I'm sorry, leaders are readers. The great leaders never stop learning. They never stop trying to become better. Is there anything that you've consumed? I don't care if it's a book or an audible or a podcast or a blog. Is there is there anything that you'd suggest to our listeners that they kind of add to their bag of tricks of things they consume?
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we do, we actually do this at at closed. Our team listens to, we, we choose books and we, and we kind of go through different topics and sometimes they're, you know, business related. Sometimes they're just other nonfiction topics, but one that I've uh, recently done is the hard thing about hard thing about hard things by Hmm. Ben Horowitz. Yeah and of Andreessen Horowitz, yeah. really interesting book. Cause he goes through a little bit of what he's seen in his experiences as a very successful, obviously entrepreneur, and now as a very successful venture capitalist, what are some of the things that he's, what what are, were his experiences, but then what are some of the things that he looks for? That's been a really interesting, and, and it, he talks a lot about from, you know, a CEO executive level, how do you Motivate people. How do you set up the right structures? How do you deal with difficult situations? The hard thing about hard things. So, I think it's a great book. If you haven't
0: read it, it's a great audible. We'll add it to our list, man. Awesome. We have gone long. I I I kept you a couple minutes longer than I told you I would, and uh, but it's worth it. I I think our, our listeners will thank me for it. Spencer, like I've said a couple times throughout, this was even better than I had expected it would be. I knew it would be insightful. I found it really thought provoking. It's been helpful for me. It will help me with the customers that I work with. How do our listeners get more of you? How do they pick up what you're putting down? How do they keep a conversation going? How do they learn more about closed? How do they take you up on your offer for some of that content uh, or conversations? How do they do that?
1: For sure. So easiest way to just learn a little bit more about this closed.com, C-L-O-Z-D.com. We have tons of resources on there. We have a blog with a lot of different content to help people think about this. We have um, some really cool kind of white paper content that you, can, that you can check out. I'm always happy to chat with folks, right? I run our consultant program delivery Approach so I'm I'm really interested in learning what sales leaders are running into so we can make sure we're delivering the right stuff so I'm happy to be a sounding board to anybody you're welcome to reach out to me just Spencer S P E N C E R at close dot com I'm happy to chat with anyone about what they're dealing with and and honestly act as a san- sounding board so happy to do that we have uh we also did a this 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 was an interesting thing that might be helpful to some of some of your leaders is we. If you go to winlossweek.com, every we started this last year. We're going to do it again this year. Every we're going to now every year do a week dedicated to practitioners, our clients, other players, other people we work with that are doing this, talking about what they're seeing. Less of think of it more as this is a forum for people to talk about this topic. And share best practices more so than a, Hey, we're going to pitch you on why you should use closed. We, th- this is a new emerging discipline. There's a lot of thinking and, and effort that's going into it. We want to make sure we bring that to the forefront for, for sales leaders and, and other executives so that they can make the right
0: decision. So um, yeah, those are probably three of the best resources. All right. He is helping people realize that they're that fire drills are not a system. He's helping people get to the actual truth But most important, he is the sales version of DJ Khaled. He has people uh, be able to say, all we do is win. And and so, Spencer, thank you for joining us. I'm so appreciative that you spend a little time. And as I say to everyone as we sign off, my friend, happy selling. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first... This podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. Sales leadership is more important now than in any other time in the previous 10 years. So much has changed. I don't care if you're a brand new sales leader or the most experienced sales leader or someone in between, we have all had to take a closer look at how we lead our teams, how we connect, how we correct, how we engage, and every part of the job has had to be rethought. Companies have spent billions on sales training, sales tools, and sales process. But those very same companies have left leaders on their own to figure out what the leadership model needs to look like. And what most find is that figure it out is a really, really inefficient process. Right now, more than any other time, you need to know that you are not on your own. So if you want a colleague to help you take things up a level, reach out to me. I'm helping sales leaders all around the world create elite sales leadership systems with top 1-2% to impact. I have a ton of options to help. It can be my simple solution, like the Patreon community. Uh, Sales Leadership United has exclusive content around sales leadership curriculum, a private podcast with the things that I'm working on right now, and sales meeting materials you can use immediately. For the cost of lunch, it's a fantastic place to start, and if you like this show, you're going to love that one. Check it out and let me know what you think. And executive coaching, it's growing ridiculously fast. It's for sure the new perk. I'm helping sales leaders create impact faster and avoid mistakes that too many make. Seriously, the best sales orgs in the world are reaching out to me right now, and we are rebuilding and retooling how leaders lead. I can help you do the same thing. I'm helping leaders create impact faster and avoid mistakes that don't need to be made. Now, if you've never had a coach in your corner, now's a really great time to give it a try. <clears throat> the greatest performers in the world in every discipline, sports, music, and sales, they all, they all invest in themselves. Save your most precious resource, your time. Let me help you add some method to the leadership madness and navigate the sales leadership maze faster than you thought possible. Now listen, this was a longer conversation, but it was worth it. I loved it. I'm going to try and keep this, so what, a little bit shorter. Um, I love the work Spencer's doing, and in my opinion, Closed is the top win-loss provider in the market right now. I sent a few people over there, I've got rave reviews. And after nearly three years of doing this podcast, I can't believe I've never had an episode around win-loss analysis. It's for sure behavior of the top sales orgs in the world and there for sure is a right way and a wrong way to do it. I like Spencer's advice early in the show about the importance of being a truth seeker. You have to do this correctly because reps don't always see things as they are and customers don't always tell the truth to you for a number of reasons. Spencer gave a fantastic blueprint of how to be a truth seeker and how to build systems that give you the answer. I don't know if there's something more important for any of us to know as sales leaders as this. Do you know for sure why you win when you win and why you lose when you lose? And if you're not getting it straight from the customer, my advice is to rethink how you do it. Um I'd suggest you go back and listen to this episode a couple times. Spencer is on to something big. Now, As I went back and listened to this myself, there was a few things that stood out to me. Number one, superficial answers rarely are sources of truth. You heard us talk about price. You heard us talk about a number of things. That's why I love the idea of an independent third party helping with this. We can do a lot of the work ourselves, but this is one that you probably should think hard about having an expert help you with. When it's done internally, there's a lot of political pressures and friendship pressures and... Sometimes we we don't get the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And then on top of that, customers, you know, when they don't choose you, they, they will usually pick easy answers like price, and other times they won't they won't tell you the truth because they don't want to hurt feelings. You need to be able to derive the real answer. You need a decent sample size of looking at what's called the analysis of variance, and you look at the difference in a win and a loss, and just see what makes them different. And, and that's super, super important. And a third party is an expert at that. They do that all the time. They don't have a dog in the fight. You know, don't let your reps pro- point to product pricing or support and don't let, um, customers give you easy answers. I've seen this done internally. I've compared it to when it's done by a third party and the internal ones have all kinds of bias and they almost never, ever are as insightful as the ones that are done by someone who's independent to what the answers are. A third party is an expert and they'll get you the truth. Number two, sales needs to own it. You as a sales leader need to know why you win. And you need to know why you lose too. And so it's going to help you more than any other department. So don't let some other team own this and bring you the answers. And then you have to wonder where it came from and if you can trust it and all that kind of stuff. Step up. Own a win-loss initiative. If you don't have a win-loss system and a win-loss initiative, figure out how to make that happen. It's a big deal. And if you do it right, you'll be able to connect the dots that lead to a win much faster and develop a successful sales uh, team much faster. So dig in. And remember, I'm not selling win-loss services. Even in my performance group, I don't do that. So this is not a self-serving deal. This is just me sharing with you as a listener. This is one of the behaviors of the top teams. If you're not doing it, you will become better if you do. That takes me to number three. Make learning from outcomes part of your culture. Don't just talk about the big ones. Don't just talk about the losses. Identify clearly what a win looks like and the most common ways that losses are different. And that takes me to number four. Emphasize how people buy. Uh, not what does or does not work from sales, right? Uh, dig into the, to the decision dynamics. Don't just take the perspective of your reps. Learn why people make decisions the way they do it. Understand what's moving them and what's driving them. And, and, and if you get into that part of the win-loss on why they buy, you're going to have a, an insanely valuable asset. Listen, getting to the truth is more than just running some retor- reports in Salesforce or creating some pivot tables in Excel. You need to create a system. Make it part of your company's DNA. Don't just dig in if you're missing your number or if you lost a big deal like so many do. Understanding wins and losses and how to integrate this knowledge to your sales DNA is a big, big deal. And in the last 12 months, so much has changed. As an elite sales leader, if there was ever a time you needed to know why your buyers are making purchase decisions, that time is now. Don't make the assumption that people still operate the same as they did 12 months ago. I can't articulate how big of a competitive advantage this will create. The knowledge that you get from this is a difference maker. And if you make this a system with regular updates and regular learnings and keep it close to what's happening now, your team will always be in tune with the market. They'll grow and develop faster and achieve results that you may not have thought possible. So, Spencer, my man, thank you for joining me. This was a terrific conversation and I'm so glad you chose to join me. For the audience, if you don't follow follow Spencer and closed already, fix that. They're a fantastic resource. they got resources for free for you. They'll help educate you. You should consider hiring them. Uh, Spencer, I really appreciate you sharing with our listeners, and I wish you wild success with your awesome team. And finally, thanks to each of you, our listeners. I appreciate those five-star re- reviews on iTunes. I appreciate you reaching out to me directly. More do that every week, and I love it. I look forward to these interactions. I hope to hear from someone this week. So please make this a week of knowing exactly why your customers buy and why they don't. Be that leader that can help each member of your team have a well-defined pathway to success because you're basing it on what the customers telling you. Listen to their voice. Here's to removing the guesswork and hearing directly from those that buy and those that choose not to. I thank you for listening to today's show. And as always, don't worry, just execute. Because as you know, we got you. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jeppg.com. That's rob at jepg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner...